All right, our reading today comes from John 14, 1 through 14. Again, this is a continuation of the text I preached back on Monday, Thursday, which seems a long time ago. Um, so this is very familiar words, and I think all of you have used these words many times when you're comforting yourself and others, and also when we're trying to proclaim the truth of the gospel. So here it is. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. So grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this is a very fitting continuation of the text I did on Monday, Thursday. For those that weren't here, I talked about true love. Monday, Thursday is the command that Jesus gives that we are supposed to love each other and by then show that we are his disciples. He institutes the Lord's Supper. This is still in the upper room, this message to his disciples to give them comfort because he's going away. It also is very instructive on what we're supposed to do. And in my sermon on that Monday, Thursday, I talked about how lying is unloving. If I really love you, I tell you the truth. <laughs> and if I don't love you, I don't. So the loving thing to do is to tell the truth. God cannot lie, which is why Jesus is always telling the truth. And this, I don't know, has become one of the most famous verses. We live in a pluralistic society which says there are lots of ways to get to God. There are many ways to be saved. Whatever you think is fine and whatever I think is fine. Very relative, pluralistic. So we throw out this verse to go right in the face of that. And this is a true thing. It says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me. It is not a way. It is not a truth. It is not a life. I looked up in the Greek again. It is the way, the truth. There's only one way. And this isn't just the only time that we find out that there's only one way to be saved. Acts 4, 12, 4 11, and 12. 
This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. I said that in our prayer today. The foundation by which we build our lives. This is the cornerstone. This is the apostolic teachings. This is the Bible. This is Jesus. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is only one way to be saved. A lot of people will say, wow, that's really closed-minded of you Christians to say there's only one way. You mean there's an in and an out? Yeah. Imagine if there was a multitude of ways. Which one's right? All of them? None of them? Some of them? The easiest way is to say this is the way. Now, we all have an aversion to the truth. It's in our nature to, well, not be honest. Not be honest with ourselves, not with honest with others. So, you know, I'm like every other student and person who has to write things these days. I went to ChatGPT to ask, hey, how do we, that's AI, by the way, you know, the thing that's going to take over the, and ruin our lives. Remember that thing? Okay. They do say that being a pastor is one of the, uh, the best things that won't, one of the professions that won't be replaced by pastors or by AI. So I guess maybe I have a little job security. I guess showing up is still a thing. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited that, you know, AI is not going to take this away from me. But ChatGPT said this. I go, how do, how do we lie to ourselves? And it says, uh, well, there's lots of ways. Uh, one is rationalization. I'm a math teacher. I'm really good at this one. I can justify all my sins all day long. Well, I did that because of this, because of this, because, right? I can rationalize it away. Denial. Saying it's not really a problem when it really is. Self-deception. We convince ourselves something is true when it's really not. Confirmation bias. Man, my social media is just full of this. How does it know I always want to hear what I already believe in? I just keep hearing the, oh yeah, I'm right. Yeah, I'm continuing to be right. We're always bent towards confirmation bias. Wishful thinking. Like, uh, I'm going to win the lottery someday. Well, I won't because I don't ever play. But you might because math teachers aren't allowed to play the lottery. Did you all know that? Because that would have to admit we played the lottery. We know mathematically it's stupid to do that and we don't want to admit we're stupid. Okay. But some, we all have wishful thinking. Oh, this number six, I am way too good at this one. Projection. The things that are wrong with me, I say is wrong with you. I project my faults onto the other person. I am really good at that one. Minimizing. Well, pretty good at that one, too. Oh, that's not a big deal. It didn't really matter that much. Well, it didn't, it didn't to me, but it did to that other person. See how we can deceive ourselves really? This is just natural. This is the way we roll. How about when I lie to others? I asked ChatGPT, how do we lie to others? Comes up with lists that I would take hours and hours to come up with and probably still be wrong. ChatGPT could be wrong, but when I'm reading these things, don't they seem pretty accurate describing the way we are? Here's how you can lie to others. Omission, leaving things out. I don't tell 
the truth, the whole truth, so help me God, I leave some things out. And a lot of times I should leave some things out because TMI, all right, too much information. White lies, telling something to avoid hurting them. That seems like a good thing. I mean, you don't want to tell me how bald I'm getting, but you know, I appreciate that. You know, you, don't, you can tell me little white lies. You can withhold information, you can lie a little bit to me. I feel better, you feel better, and we just go up on our day, right? How about deception, intentionally misleading someone? Try not to do that. Cover up, hiding or misrepresenting the truth. Really try not to do that one, especially when I'm up here. Gaslighting. I always wondered what gaslighting really was. It just sounded horrible, like fire and, you know. But really what that's saying is I'm manipulating someone to question their own perception of reality. So am I gaslighting all of you right now? I'm making you think about your reality, how you act, how you interact with the world, and then telling you there's this other absolute truth reality of Christ and that this bridging that gap is what Christ has done. <laughs> He's come to us. I'm making you think hard about the waters you're swimming in every day, how you act every day, and then become well, a little more self-aware. This is a good thing. In the past, I've talked about the Jahari window, right? What God knows about me, what I know about me, what you know about me. We're trying to open that window more. I'm trying to be more aware of how I am, more aware of how you are. This is a process. This is a good thing, become more self-aware. God already knows all these things. How about false promises? Keeping promises that you had no intention of keeping, like I was gonna work out three times this week. I, didn't, you know, I, I mean, I said that, and I was gonna do that, but I didn't, I didn't do that. How about sarcasm? Really good at that one. Really good at sarcasm. Uh, you ever know people that don't pick up on the sarcasm well? That, that doesn't, it doesn't play well, does it? You're like, I was being sarcastic. They're like, really? And here's the, here's the other one, excuses. Giving a reason for something that isn't true in order to avoid responsibility or blame. Whenever somebody says something mean to you and then they say, just kidding, they're not, okay? They, they're not kidding. They meant exactly what they said there. So anytime, the next time you hear somebody say, just kidding, they were telling you the truth. And just be happy they told you the truth. Forget the just kidding part. I had a pastor once tell me, any criticism you get has a kernel of truth. Look for the kernel. Well, I think this is why confession absolution is so important to us every Sunday here. We get to be truthful. We get to be honest. We get to deal with a loving God who is not deceived, <laughs> who sees right through any of our self-deception, who sees who we really are, sees us better than we can see ourselves, and that cycle of confession and absolution is, well, it's a way that we can become more aware of who we really are. I become aware of my sin, that's for sure, but that's not who I am. My identity is in Christ and in Christ alone, and when I hear the forgiveness of sins, I realize that is true, and it comes from outside to me. 
Now, this text today has some wonderful promises. And it gives us, in the next few verses, the promises, what we'll be celebrating, or we could celebrate in the church here on May 28th, it is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The great thing about chapter 14 is you get the whole trinity. You get the Father, you get the Son, and you get the Holy Spirit. You get the promise of eternal life. You get all these great things. This is a great chapter of the Bible. If you're just going to read one, this is a good one. In verse 15, this is right after our reading. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Notice it's capital H, helper. Do you know the other time that's used in the Bible? Eve, women. Capital H, helper. That's pretty high regard, I would say. Helper's not a bad word. It's a great word. To be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You all have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then skip down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, you, gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So that is the beginning and the end of this chapter is essentially Jesus' negative command. Don't be troubled. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. But aren't we? <laughs> but he keeps reminding us, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then in this text, he says to ask anything in his name. This is when you could bust out into the prosperity gospel really quick, couldn't you? I want lots of money. God's going to give it to me. See, he's going to give me anything I ask. Anything? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. We prayed today, right? We pray every day. We ask for things all the time. Doesn't God even tell us to bring everything to him by petition and prayer? To boldly ask? And then he promises to even do greater things. Greater things than he did. Didn't he do a bunch of miracles and, you know, died on the cross for our sins? I mean, we're going to do greater things? Well, the good thing is about Jesus is that it is mission accomplished. There was nothing left to do. There's nothing left for you to do. It is done. It is finished. Jesus went to the cross to do the work for you and for me. Did you know Jesus' ministry, about 99.9% .9 of it, was to the Jews? He came to seek and save the lost amongst the Jews. It wasn't until the apostles that it started going out to the Gentiles. 
So what do you think is a greater work than just saving this small tribe? Now it's expanded to the whole world. Jesus can do miracles. Luke and I refer to them as parlor tricks for God. These are not hard things. In fact, many of you have probably experienced some of these things. Like, do we have temporary healings? I know of another pastor who just got his hearing. I hear of people getting their sight. I hear of the mute speaking. We call these medical miracles. All those people will still die. So what is a greater work than having a little temporary healing or a little temporary comfort or a little temporary happiness? The greater things, the greater works is the expansion of the kingdom to the entire world for eternity, eternal healing, eternal happiness, eternal joy, eternal life in Christ. This is a way bigger thing than the here and the now. And he promises the Holy Spirit. I read that text actually after, that should have come right after this. Jesus leaves, he goes to the Father, and who's he send? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses the word to make us who we are. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we are baptized in his name. That is our identity. You did nothing to deserve it, and you can't do anything to earn it. It is a free gift from God. Ask anything in my name. Yes. Ask anything. I've still been wrestling with the wrestling analogy that Luke gave us. <laughs> yes, wrestle with God. Ask him for anything. We always know who wins when we wrestle with God. It is God who wins. But the great thing about the wrestling, the petitioning, the asking for anything in prayer in the name of Christ is that it changes you. It is a gift that the Holy Spirit does to change your heart, to conform you more and more into the will and the ways of God. That is a wonderful gift. These are well, greater things that we get, the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet. These are greater things that we get. You ever heard the song, uh, Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? Reggae. Really, the theme of this text should be, don't worry, be, leave, that's what he says. Believe in me. That is the key to all of this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. How many times have we all read these verses or cited these verses when we're mourning someone or someone who's died or is dying? I will read these verses today to people. God has prepared a place for you. 
you all know where you're going. You're not like, Philip, how are we going to get there? Where are we going? You have a greater gift. You know exactly where you're going. You're going to be with the Lord. You know exactly what your eternity looks like. It is when Jesus returns with the new heavens and the new earth, new bodies. No more lying, no more sin, no more stealing, nothing. No more tears, no more death. This is the comfort that we have that the world does not have. Something beyond ourselves, an external objective truth that has come to you and has come to me. And I praise God that we believe it because even believing it is a gift from God. That faith you have been given is a gift. So God promises he will do whatever we ask in his name. What are the greater things I should be praying for? The greater things I should be praying for are those of the kingdom, the things that are not temporary, the things that are eternal, the things that I could never do. The apostles, we have Pentecost coming up. Did the apostles pray for 3,000 people to convert that day? (laughs) No. God does way more than we pray for. He does things we can't even conceive of. And he does things we could never do for ourselves. These are things of the kingdom. This is the spirit that lives in you. He is working. He is working in you and he's working in the world. These words are true. This world is, our culture is kind of falling apart, isn't it? Our pastor's conference this last week, we talked about marriage and how broken that has become. It's devastating our culture. Why? Because there's so many lies about it. There's so many lies about being one flesh in Christ. There's so many lies about what is marriage for, who designed it. What's the best thing for our women and our children and our culture? It's called marriage. It's just one little example that is true that our culture rejects. You have God's word, you have his spirit, we are all united in Christ. So pray, pray for anything in the name of Christ and he will do things, not just the things of this world, he will do the greater things that are of eternity. And why do we do these things? because he's commanded us to, and it gives him glory. So I pray that you will know that the gospel that reigns in your hearts, the gospels that you embody, the gospel, the good news that you share will offend people. (laughs) When you say there is one way, one truth, one life, and no one comes to the Father except through Christ, be bold. The Spirit will use those words to convict and to bring alive. This is what the church is commanded to do. The world hates it. We have exclusive claim on the kingdom. I don't know another way. Tell the truth with love. Earn an audience with someone through relationship. 
in this gospel that we have, this redemption that we have through Christ, his once-for-all atoning sacrifice, his resurrection, his ascension, his return that is imminent, this is what we preach, and this is what we proclaim, and this is what we live out. So I pray that you continue to live in that truth, that you proclaim that truth, and as you go out today and every day, that you abide, that you are one in Christ. Amen? We stand and pray with me. And I think we'll let the kids come back in, and hopefully they can find you even though I have you standing. At this point, they should know where everybody lives, right? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your spirit, the gift of faith, the gift of your truth. Heavenly Father, there's so many lies in this world, lies that come from even ourselves. Help us to see through those. Help us to see the truth of the gospel. Help us to proclaim that truth to others and that the spirit that lives in each and every one of us would would empower us to do these things, to do greater things than anything we could even pray for. Amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Have a wonderful week.